0: brought to you in part by starcitygames.com not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web they're also the world's largest independent retailer for magic the gathering singles and supplies for more information visit starcitygames.com hello everyone and welcome to another episode of lords of limited my name is ben warney and joining me on the line is ethan sachs ethan it's finally here guilds of ravnica we both got a chance to play with it what do you think
1: Well, it's still sealed, so I'm not as excited as I will be (laughs) until next week. So let's all just hold our horses and wait till we get to draft. I guess tomorrow, tomorrow and Monday, we'll get to draft. You're right. We're all still pre-gaming. Yeah, exactly. Monday's the main event. This is like the cover band. The cover band, the opener, the opening act. How how about you? What what do you think so far? Uh, I've been enjoying myself. The games have been very
0: complex, like a a rude awakening from M19, where I just cast my star crown stags and run over
1: people. Rude awakening, yeah. These uh, these five color, four color decks are quite the departure from the never splash in M nineteen that we were preaching. Yeah, it has been a grind. All right, so we got a lot to go over. Ben and I have gotten our hands all up in these cards this weekend on Magic Online to figure out the sealed format. A lot to talk about. A lot to look forward to in terms of like trying to project what that means for draft. But before we get into that, let's let's check on that that trophy leaderboard update. Oof. It's going to be a little rough. So I've done <laughs> I've done three seals. I did one Friday night after the
0: football game and then I had banned all day Saturday and I did another two and two fifths today before I pooped out while I was streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got three under my belt a nine and six record. I started off hot at four and one and then I had a three, two and a two, three. Uh, so I've got a sweet, even 66 or 60 percent win rate. I'm used to saying 66, 60 <laughs> <60% laughs> yeah. percent win rate. Not quite as good. And I'm rocking a, a good blue black Demir deck right now. And I'm one and one with that. And I think I should be two and oh,
1: but I misplayed pretty poorly at the end of the stream. So I joined uh, our friend Stunlock FTW, who just shout out for the hype. He was on the front page of Twitch for two hours yesterday, which yeah, that was, was insane. Yeah, that's super awesome for him. Um, but I got to hang out with him when he had his like arena stream event on Wednesday. And we just like had three saltite pools in a row. It was just very obvious that that was what we should do. And I was like, oh God, is that all this format is going to be? And I haven't in my eight sealed pools gotten just like a good Demir deck, which is a bummer because I think that's probably the best thing you can do in sealed. Yes. So I've got eight sealed with the three, in, in addition to the three other pools I built on arena, um, no trophies, unfortunately in the comp sealed leagues is what Ben and I do. Those are the the five rounds, not the like three rounds. And then you can add a pack seeded pool things. So I have a 23 and 16 record. I'm currently three and one in a league and I have a 59% win rate. So just slightly getting pipped by you. But yeah, this format has been really complex and really interesting, I think, at least in terms of sealed.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think the builds, they're all the building is tough. There are a lot of different things to consider and a lot of different options to consider. Assuming you get good fixing, if you don't get the fixing that lines up with your pool, you don't have quite as many options. And then in the games, too, I feel like there's a lot of decision making, surveillance. If you're so fortunate to get cards with surveil, like leads to a lot of decisions and long
1: games with a lot of a lot of complex situations, but also really strong assertive decks in Boros and Is it? I think.
0: Yeah, I have not faced down. I'm scared to face down Is it. I haven't faced down a very good Is it deck yet, but I've been on the receiving end of some Mentor beatdowns.
1: Yeah. All right. So before we get into any of the goodies, we've got to talk about the support for the show, and I'm so excited finally to get to unleash. What has been in the works for a few months now, which is that we are now proudly sponsored by Star City Games, which is incredible. You heard a little new intro. Folks who have been listening for a while heard that as something different. And folks who are joining us for the first time, we're really excited to have you listening and and catching the content that we're throwing out there. So really, really can't say thank you enough to Star City Games for partnering with us.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. That's insanely cool. And we really hope to bring great content to Star City Games. They have a
1: fantastic reputation and we're thrilled to be a part of the content that we're providing. Yeah, absolutely. And the other huge support that we get each and every week is from our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can give back to the show if they so choose. The show, of course, will always be free, but we really want to make sure that we uh, incentivize folks if they want to give a little bit extra. We want to make sure that we give back to those people and the base level that we want to return to people is the Discord channel. Access to the Lords of Limited Discord is the place to be to talk about limited content. We have just been devouring the sealed format all weekend. <laughs> I mean, I'd, every hour I check it and there's like 60 new posts here, 70 new posts here. It's really crazy. The conversations are flowing and everyone is really just diving in headfirst into GRN sealed. And I assume will be the same thing for the next coming weeks for GRN draft. We've got some higher rewards for people who want to give back at higher donations. And of course the base level as well is we want to make sure that we shout out each and every person. Last week, we had a lot. This week, fortunately, we also have a lot of people that we want to welcome to the fold. So we want to make sure that we shout out Nathan, Brian, Rob, Nicholas, Chris, Scott, Theo, Robert, Connor, Justin, Mitchell, Coleman, Slumbercat benjamin dominic anthony drew james ryan brett john and soren that's right we have a planeswalker supporting us thank you thank you thank you we really appreciate your support i said it last week and i will say it again holy patrons batman you guys are incredible thank you so 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 much for supporting the show yeah can't say thank you enough but we'll try all right Let's dive right in, Ben. This is one of the most complex sealed formats I've ever seen. I'm not sure about you, but certainly for me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I was staring at a pool it was actually Friday night after the football game. I had played one sealed and I opened my second sealed pool and I was looking at it and I just could not make myself build a deck. Like there were so many options. Normally, like, you know, you can build two, three decks like fairly easily and you're just trying to decide on the last two, three cards. I couldn't even make myself like start building. There were so many variables between the dual lands and the different gold cards. It
1: was tough. I had a pool the other day on stream and I had built three different decks and then Ryan Sachs messaged me. He was like, can you send me a screenshot of that pool? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I did. And then he sent me a totally different list of another deck that I hadn't considered that I think was better than the other three that I had already built. There's so many options. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you are guaranteed at least six dual lands because all of the basic lands are replaced by the guild gates. And then you can also get like gateway plaza at common. You can get foil guild gates. You can get the rare shock lands. There's also lockets that I have not been embarrassed to play in some four and five color builds. Your possibilities are really wide open.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. So let's dive right into some bigger picture questions about the format for people that may not have had a chance to pre-release or are just wondering what our opinions are. Do you think this is a Prince
1: or Popper format? That is a really tough question for me to answer right now. There are definitely bombs in the format that I feel like I need to answer, but I also feel like the removal is pretty strong that I'm not often hard pressed to find answers that maybe I am hard pressed at the moment to find answers in my hand, but not that like, oh, if I look through my whole deck, do I have a way to deal with that thing? Um, So that leads me to believe that it's more pauper than Prince. And I think that also is coupled with what I see at like how much surveil there is at common to fuel the strong blue black decks and how much good mentor there is to fuel the aggressive Boros decks. Yeah, I feel exactly what
0: you said. I do feel like there are bombs, but I feel like the removal is so good that you have two to three answers to those bombs in your deck generally. And I don't feel like I don't feel like when I'm losing, I'm losing to a bomb. I feel like I'm losing to a better deck that has better commons and uncommons and works like a more well-oiled machine than my deck has been so far. That's when I feel like I'm losing.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Like it feels like you're losing to consistency and that consistency is coming from commons. It's not coming from like two or three bombs or whatever. Right. All right, next up. Fast or slow? I don't know. I'm I'm saying in the show notes, you wrote slightly faster for a sealed format. I feel like you have access to more consistent fast decks than perhaps you are often used to because I feel like usually sealed is like open bombs, play your bombs, open removal, play your removal. And this feels like a lot more diverse than that because there are i think you can open a really good like two color assertive deck in either boros or is it but other than that i've also had games be huge grind fest where you're just like trying to eke out this resource advantage and you're going to turn 15 and 16 so I don't know. I would say on the slower side for sealed in general, but certainly you have to be ready for those fast decks.
0: Yeah, I guess that's what I meant that there exists. Like I think more so with the frequency than maybe in other sealed formats, there's more of a likelihood that you're going to play against a good aggro deck. Like I feel like if a person opens a good boros pool or a good is it pool, those decks are very, very good
1: and like very strong and beat you down hard when they come together. So you've got to respect those. Last night I played in a sealed league and four of my five rounds were against Boros decks. Gee whiz. That's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Where are you at on number of lands? I think it depends. You've got 17.5 here and I think that's a perfect number because I in the control decks that I've built... Certainly when I feel like, and we'll get to the kinds of decks that I feel like sealed pools tend to lend themselves to in this format, Um, but I feel like the control decks or your just like five color good stuff decks because I don't have anything better to build, those decks, the mana is a little rough even with all the guild gates and the the lockets that you may be playing. So I've been tending towards 18 lands there just because those decks hopefully have card advantage to mitigate the flood. Um, And then my aggro decks, I'm running 17. Sometimes I've run 16 lands if I feel like the curve is low enough, but that's really only happened once in eight pools. Wow. Yeah, I have not run 16 lands yet. So looking at the different kinds of decks that I feel like this format has to offer, we'll start small and then we'll we'll get bigger. So small, I would say is a straight two color deck. And this has seemed, I, I wrote initially, this seemed very rare to me. And then I had three back-to-back pools where I had either what I thought was like a fine Boros deck. I actually posted one of these pools online versus just like a five color good stuff deck. But I think the two color decks have a place and can be very strong depending on how lucky you are to open cards. But I think it's really hard for that deck to come together a lot of the time and be good because so many of your commons are multicolored cards. You have to get really lucky to like not only have, let's, if we're talking about Boros, not only have like a deep roster of white and red cards, but also a deep roster of Boros cards. And that's really going to be just kind of a, a crapshoot depending on what packs shake out your way, you know? Right.
0: I've still a baby in the sealed format. I've only done four pools and I've only finished three of them. But in each of my pools, there's been a two color deck, maybe not the best deck necessarily, but like a fairly straightforward where I have the most cards of these two colors and some gold commons in these two colors. And I could build a Boros deck or a Golgari deck. And usually I ended up splashing or something to tweak it to try to make it a little bit better. But I do think two-colored decks are a thing in most pools. There is probably one in there somewhere if you look for it.
1: Yeah, and you've got a note here that if the fixing doesn't line up right, this may be your best course of action. I think that's true. Like, you might be in this sort of awkward spot where you have a bunch of good blue-red cards and then a bunch of black-green dual lands. And that can really make for some awkward tension in your deck building because like you can't really then dip into a, a three color deck. I found that my fixing often dictates a lot of what I want to do when I don't feel like there's a strong direction otherwise.
0: Yes, I agree completely. And the other one that's really rough is like maybe say you're, you've got Golgari cards and you want to splash some blue cards and you want to play Sultai. But then you've also got Golgari Guildgates when you really wish you just had Dimir Guildgates so that you could splash blue easier. So you have to play the Golgari Guildgates and then run like three islands. And that starts to get awkward because those
1: three islands are so bad. I want to ask you now, what are your thoughts on the Lockets so far?
0: I have run them in control decks as a one of when Mm -hmm. they've matched up and I've not felt miserable about it, but I've not felt good about it either.
1: I would say I feel less miserable than you, but that's, you know, that's just a sort of a general sentiment (laughs) when it comes. to magic. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> so what do you have for sort of like strategy for like approaching building pools in this format? Like you have that wonderful, like pack cracking sound on magic online, and then you are confronted with a, a swath of cards. How do you make sense of it all?
0: First thing I do is right click sort by rarity, check out all the rares and mythics, see what pulls me in a direction. And then I go straight down the list of uncommons and see if I have any busted uncommons try to get a sense for what sort of gold cards I have and where they're concentrated in this format. And then I sort back normally and I take a look at which guild gates I opened. And if I think just prematurely, like color wise, those guild gates look like they're going to help out with what I saw in the rares and the uncommons. Uh, Check out if I have any clue stones or any extra fixing, things like that, any rare shock lands. And then past that, uh, my process is just to pull down every card from every color that I think is playable and then once I do that I sort of get a sense for okay I've got good cards the most good cards in red white and I'm going to try to build Boros first or you know the most good cards in blue black and green so I'll try to build some combination of Demir or Golgari first and then just keep building decks and I try I usually spend on magic online you know I'll spend 40 minutes, 45 minutes trying to build every deck I can think of uh, just to try to get edges in sideboarding. If I want to swap decks out, I want to have the decks built ahead of time rather than have to try to build them on the fly during the two minutes of sideboarding on Magic Online.
1: That has lined up almost entirely with my experience. I go from rares to fixing next just because like that I feel like shapes a lot of what I feel like my possibilities are but I guess that's a little less necessary here because you just know you're going to have six gates but where they line up I think is important and then I, I try and build the decks to a logical conclusion though sometimes I'll be like building whatever red white and then it's like well what what does this deck look like if it's Jeskai instead and I'll get halfway through building it and I'll just be like I know this is worse than the Boros deck so I just have I'm just gonna stop like I can't I don't want to just like keep building this to its logical conclusion but I'll try to get to the point where I'm adding lands and, and saving a 40 card deck the next level I think is just a three color deck and I think these are probably the most common or probably where you would like to be the, the most and Saltai and Grixis being the most powerful of the bunch because they both have blue black at their base. Demir is where you want to be, I think, at least in sealed because surveil is so, so strong at grinding out the mid and late game.
0: Yeah, it's busted. And I think Grixis has been the deck I've been most scared of playing against. I have not been fortunate enough to open a Grixis pool yet. But and I think those three color decks, I think your base two colors and a splash of the third color generally.
1: Right. No, we're not talking about like a six, six, six mana base. Usually it's like, yeah, exactly what you said trying to be like, is it or Demir and then splashing the third color? I've
0: also run into some five color decks that I think are very good. I think sometimes you get a pool that doesn't offer you a super clear direction. I've had one of those out of my four so far, right? You know, I built a couple two color decks or a two color deck with a splash, but I was leaving a lot of power on the table and those decks didn't look super good to me. Um, And I had the gates and the clue stones to support it. I'd opened two rare shock lands and I just built a four or five color deck. And I think it, was probably the best thing my pool could do and it it really takes a long time to sort through like what you want your base two colors to be in your five color deck like there's a lot of permutations that you can go through for the five color deck and i think a lot of that ends up getting dictated by what guild gates you have and what clue stones you have so if you're struggling with the four or five color deck building I would start with the fixing and try to let your fixing help guide you to figure out what your base two colors should be and what you're splashing.
1: Yeah, I think those decks are a real headache to figure out, but I think yields the best results to have that as an option. And I think a lot of these pools offer that. They may not be your best deck, but maybe, you know, if if you have an aggro deck in your pocket and then you're going to be on the draw, you are going to want a deck that can at least grind some amount of the time because you're aggro deck on the draw isn't going to be able to get there and maybe may get shut down pretty quickly, I think.
0: Right. And the next thing we want to talk about is building multiple decks. And I think that's 100 percent right. And you've got that in the show notes. And even more so than just building multiple decks, I've tried very hard to build whatever I thought the most all in aggressive deck my pool could build was because if you get matched up against a demure deck that's just better than yours and they have surveil cards, you just aren't going to win enough because the surveil decks are so consistent. So I just want to be able to swap into the most aggressive thing I can to try to get underneath them because that's a pretty bad feeling when you're playing like a controlling deck but your opponent just has a way better control deck that's Demir than and like you're playing, you know, whatever Golgari, it just feels like you can never
1: win. Yeah, I've swapped entire decks way more in the sealed format than I ever have before. And that's probably just because I think because the fixing exists so much more predominantly in this format than it has in, in more recent formats when they've done this sealed weekend on Magic Online that I just feel like I need to have those different options for the decks that I face. Yeah, completely agree. Where have you been at on playing or drawing in the format? So, day one, match one, I was like, I'm going to draw first. Like, I feel like that's generally right in Sealed. Sealed is generally a grind fest, especially with Demir and Jumpstart floating around. I felt like, you know, we wanted to play more 18 lands more often than not. And that led me to think that we would be like grinding out resources. And then I think I like 2 3 my first league. And I was like, I got results oriented. I was like, I'm scared. Maybe I should be on the play. But I think, but what I've been doing and most of my pools recently have been like, I build an aggro deck and I build a control deck. I start with the control deck, I start on the draw, and if I'm in an aggro matchup, then I go on the play instead because I don't want to put my aggro opponent on the draw. Or if I find myself to be on the play against those decks, then I will side into that aggro deck when I know I'm going to be on the play. But it just feels too risky to start with the aggro deck and then potentially be on the draw.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
1: I also think that in these three to five color environments, people are going to build bad mana bases, I think more often than not. And so probably will mulligan more often. So I think putting people on the play can just punish them for their poor deck building choices. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, that
0: that's what actually feels the best to me about drawing like when you have a three to four color deck. like your hands are more smooth when you're in the draw, you're less likely to mulligan. And if your opponent's got that same style of deck, putting them on
1: the play forces them to mulligan more, for sure. So looking at some initial takes, some more format specific things, now that we've talked about deck building in general, I mean, we're going to write a love letter to surveil this entire episode, I think. This mechanic is absurd. I mean, not only does it give you the ability to smooth out your draws, mitigate flood in the late game, which is incredible for limited. It also pairs so well with the neighboring mechanics. I mean, we talked about this in the Crash Course episode last week, that it just goes so well with undergrowth, if you're going to bin creatures, goes so well with jumpstart to bin spells. Like, looking at the top two cards of your library on a surveil trigger, and seeing, like, land plus radical idea, which is the one in a blue draw card, you're just like, great, bin those two, and now I get to use radical idea to discard a land and draw a new card, and then your opponent's just like, oh god, they just went through their next three draw steps off of this one removal spell or whatever. Grixis or Sultai is absolutely where I want to be in sealed if I can help it.
0: The best feeling I've had so far and the worst feeling I've had so far is either when I've deadly visited my opponent's last creature or they've deadly visited my last creature and then looked at the top two cards of their library and put one or both of those on top. (laughs) It's just like a it's just a very hopeless feeling.
1: The intimidation factor of top top Cannot be underestimated. (laughs) So to piggyback off that, because I feel like the format feels like more often than not a grind fest, it's hard to find a dedicated aggro deck that isn't super fragile, right? So it has to like draw its cards in the right combination. Boros, I think, has this less so Because I think there's like just sort of a redundancy of the kinds of effects that it wants. But I think green-white, and we'll talk about this when we start to rank the guilds, I think it's the weakest guild for sealed. And my guess is it's also the weakest for draft. Because it can't quite be aggressive enough, since there's this weird tension between you want to attack with your early drops, but you also then want to use them to power out your... Seven mana siege worm. So, like, do you really want to take a turn off of attacking? No. And then you're not powering out your big fatty creature that you want to. I think the deck also suffers from needing to draw its pieces in the right order, right? You can't draw all of your fatties at once, and you can't draw all of your like little weenie creatures at once. You need that like right mix. And I just think that kind of fragile deck, especially for sealed, when you don't really get to choose the kinds of cards, like you can't build it as you're drafting it. You just sort of have to hope you get those pieces. I think it makes it nearly impossible possible to get a good green, white deck concealed.
0: Right. They did put a lot of vigilance creatures in green and white to try to help the, the tension with the attacking and the wanting to convoke, but they're all bad. Yes. That's the problem. And, or if you risk them in combat and your opponent chooses to block, it's just like a disaster for you.
1: Right. Yeah. You're like, in theory, I can attack with my vigilant three, two, and then use it to cast a creature post combat. But like, you just have to be, you're terrified. If your opponent trades off, then like they're basically stone raining you for a turn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah feels
0: really bad. We would mentioned this a little earlier, but I think a single locket in sealed has felt certainly fine, especially in four to five color decks, uh, especially if it's one of your base colors that you have a reasonable chance of cracking later in the game. Um, I would not ever be excited to run a clue stone that I didn't think I would be able to crack at some point in the game. That's what they really feel like they're sort of providing their worth when they ramp you from three to five. And then, you know, on turn eight, nine, ten, you get to cash them in for two cards. My guess is they don't hold up in draft.
1: Yeah, it just seems like especially cuz you'll get to pick gates at like the same rate or you'll probably see gates more often than not because gates will be in every pack and lockets won't. But like I just don't know if you'll want that more often. And also I feel like the kinds of decks that want it are probably the decks that already have card advantage, right? Like the controlling versions of is it the Demir decks, the Sultai decks, like those are all going to have better options for card draw than a locket. So I, I agree. I don't know if they'll really have a home in draft.
0: One other thing that really struck me, and we talked about this a little bit in the deck building portion earlier, but that the six guild gates you get when you're building your pool and any other fixing you get really drives or for me, for my four pools so far has really driven what I've been able to build. Like it's been the limiting factor or like when I've had a good pool, it's been the thing that's made my pool good, I think, is the fact that my guild gates happen to line up with where my good cards were. So I think early on when you're trying to build, if you're overwhelmed, again, take a look at those
1: guild gates and see where they steer you. Either in like the actual guild that they represent or allowing you to play one of the off colors as your main color and then using the guild gates to take advantage of some free fixing.
0: Another thing I've really run into is when I I have not had the pleasure of playing surveil much. I've been on the receiving end. of the surveil beats uh and i but i've been playing controlling decks that don't have surveil and they really struggle to get card advantage or card filtering and i i just keep getting outclassed by control decks that have surveil Um, So I think you really need to be on the lookouts for maybe putting clue stones in those decks like a Golgari deck or something just so you can get a two for one because, you know, I've had decks that have had good removal spells and good threats, but it's just hard when you're trading one for one to really get an edge
1: and pull ahead in a controlling deck. For those of you playing the drinking game at home, Ben has called them clue stones three times now. Oh, no. What are they called? I don't even know. <laughs> They're lockets. Whatever. Blue Stones <laughs> lockets. Oh I mean, we're God. almost certainly not playing with them after today, so it doesn't yes. really matter. <laughs> we sort of pegged this, I think, in the crash course. The removal in this format is very good, and there are definitely creatures you need to kill, but I think the abundance of removal, save for green is really really strong. Prayapon's not doing it, is it? I have not seen it cast yet. I've seen it cast. You know, it's kill it's like a 3-3 is killing a 2-2 or something. It's just the creatures are not there's no big creatures it's really hard to take advantage of prey upon cheapness because all the creatures are pretty much the same size. Yeah, that brings us to our next point, which is the creatures are small transitions. Yes. Watcher
0: in the mist is huge. Three blue blue for the three floor flyer surveil two. that's just gigantic. In addition mm-hmm. to awesome dowser of lights, the four and a black for the four five vanilla has been very impressive and sealed. Crawl foragers, the four and a green for the four, four the ETBs with undergrowth gain a life for each creature in your graveyard has been like a very solid body. I've had difficulty trying, and I was looking and playing and trying to think about like sort of, you know, that quote magic number where like, you know, the amount of toughness you really want. Um, and it's hard to pinpoint one so far. Maybe it'll become more apparent in draft. Surviving direct current does seem to be really big. Direct current is the one red, red, deal two damage to any target with jumpstart. Getting two for one. On your creatures by direct current is pretty backbreaking um, and i have liked like two four as stats like on defense this feels like there's a reasonable amount of three twos or that boros has like two ones that get mentored into three twos that you're interested in blocking a lot
1: but like what are the two fours is it just that white pillar field box with convoke
0: yeah that's the first one that came to mind yeah have, have you played that yet i have played that
1: it was fine
0: serviceable okay
1: yeah, I, I'm wondering about the big butts in the format. I've liked that uh, the three four that gains you four life with Convoke, like when I'm against an aggro deck, just because not only does gaining four life feel good, but the the four toughness, as you were saying, feels like some sort of a magic number. Also, though, the one four reach creature, the Recluse, has felt better than I thought it would.
0: Yeah, it's been okay. I wish it was a I wish it was a giant spider for one more mana. I think giant spider would be better than it, but I do think it's been good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like just the fact that it can hold off Watcher of the Mist or at least like bounce off Watcher of the Mist feels important. Games have been really interactive with lots of decision points as well as being able to figure out like, okay, we're going to game two. I assume my opponent's going to put me on the draw. What deck do I want to play in that situation? And then I think also the reverse, you can like get into these like leveling wars of like, well, does your opponent think that you're going to assume you're going to be on the draw and go into this kind of deck? Or maybe after they've seen two decks, when you go into game three, they may be able to figure out my opponent's probably going to go into deck X or whatever. I think there's a lot of very cool decision points to make. I think a lot of that interaction in games comes down to the removal being so good.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I have felt like there's been lots of interaction and Lots of that has been due to me being able to interact with my opponent's creatures through removal. In addition to that, I just think surveil, like, so today on stream, I was playing with uh, Dream Eater, the blue mythic that's like the 4-3 flash flyer. When I had to surveil four, (laughs) I was just like... (laughs) my brain about exploded like there's so many like because that's so many it's like three potentially four turns you're trying to plan ahead if you want to keep them all on top oh yeah yeah there's a lot of complex decisions one of the other things i've noticed about good sealed pools in the format the best ones that i've played against i haven't played many good ones yet obviously as evidenced by my record but some of that's been my own misplays i've not played the tightest so far
1: you're getting it out of the way now
0: Yeah, it's all saving it all for draft. Yeah. But a lot of the the best decks I've played against have had a fairly high spell count and a lot of surveil and the creatures that have spell check, Lords of Limited trademark, (laughs) and care about surveil. So, like, finding the decks that have that right mix of good spells and creatures, and if you don't have that, it can lead to some awkward builds at times. Like, I had a a Ral Zeric that I wasn't able to play because I only had, like, three spells
1: in all of the Grixis colors. So, bot, when you say spells, you mean Incense or Sorceries? Yeah. Wait, but I feel like we were talking pre-show, and I was like... Yeah, I feel like most of these decks have like 12 to 13 creatures. And you're like, I don't know. That hasn't been my experience. Well, I haven't. No, I'm playing against them. It has. I have not had been fortunate enough to build those decks yet. I see, I see, I see, okay. I think because there's so much interaction and the games are so complex and surveil, I think is so complex, sequencing plays correctly matters a lot in gameplay. (laughs) Do you want to read that next part? That was, I typed this and the next line is, I have been doing a poor job of this. (laughs) Right, but I didn't want to read that because- Right, you haven't been. You're very good at this type of thing. I've been losing on my own merits, (laughs) not (laughs) not from just like making some punts here and there.
0: So, which brings us to our next section, which Ethan initially labeled cool interactions, which rapidly turns into Ben's misplays and inability to <laughs> cards. So <laughs> our first of the segment is if you have the, the cat that draws you a card when it ETBs or urban utopia when it ETBs and you're playing them off curve. So if you're not playing the cat on turn three or you're not playing the urban utopia on turn two, make sure you play those before you play your land drops. If you've got guild gates in your deck, which you almost certainly do because if you hit, if you draw a guild gate off of those cards, you really want to be able to play it tapped. I've already made that mistake a couple times in the format.
1: Uh, cool interaction here. So Vigor Spore Worm, which is the five in a green, six, four, it ATBs, has an undergrowth trigger, gives a creature plus X, plus X, and Vigilance until end of turn where x is the number of creature cards in your graveyard but it has even more text below that which is that it's got the bristling vortex that it can only be blocked by one creature it can't be blocked by more than one creature so that plus anything that grants menace makes it unblockable so if you've got like swarm guild mage which is the black green guild mage that can pay four and a black tap it and give all creatures you control plus one plus zero, and menace until end of turn you get to turn vigor Swarm into a seven power unblockable creature Ooh, nice one of the ones that I
0: most of these were just like reading cards or assuming things about cards, inspiring unicorn, the two white, white for the two, two that when it attacks, it pumps all creatures, not just attacking ones. For some reason, my brain just read that and read it as all attacking creatures, because that's usually how that effect goes, I feel like. Um, so that pumps your whole team. So if you have prey upon with the inspiring uniform unicorn, you can attack, but not attack with a creature that you want to prey upon with and get it plus one plus one. So mm. that's a corner case that could come up. Um, Devarkin Dissident is the one in a green 2 2 that has four in a green to give it plus two plus two until end of turn. I for some reason assumed that only said once per turn and it does not. So my opponent had 10 mana and they pumped that twice, which was shocking to me uh, when it happened. And just a card like a rampaging monument, that's the four mana for the zero zero trample that enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. And then for each time you cast a multicolored spell, you get to put another plus one plus one counter on it. Just make sure you sequence your multicolored spells with that when you're attacking correctly. I've already punted that one as well trying to be a good magic player and cast my stuff post-combat, but there you actually want to cast your multicolored spells pre-combat to get an extra
1: damage. That stuff always makes me so mad. The cards that are like, yeah, you should be doing this pre-combat. I'm like, but I've been so good at training myself to do the stuff post combat. And then that just makes me lazy. I'm like, I'll cast everything pre combat. I normally do that anyway. So I'm so <laughs> furious
0: when I bunted with raging monument.
1: Oh, you love F8 too much. So strong. What do you have for some early guild rankings? Now, obviously, this is only from our initial weekend of sealed impressions. But I feel like these may hold over and be true for the draft format as well.
0: This is this is what I'm predicting for draft. I'm th- I'm thinking Demir one, Boros two. Is it three? Golgari four, Selesnia five, and maybe actually that's not true. I think that's what I think for sealed. I think for draft, I would
1: swap Selesnia and Golgari. I think I would have Golgari last for draft. Oh, interesting. I still think Selesnia is god awful. I'm on Demir, and then is it? I just like the flexibility. Is it provides? I feel like there are some different builds. Like, you could be all in aggro, you could be a more controlling deck, you could be, I don't know, a, a tempo aggro deck rather than just like a boots on the ground aggro deck. So, I've got Demir 1, Is it 2, Boros 3, Golgari, then Selesnia. But I could see Boros swapped. I mean, Boros in draft is is going to be very strong, especially if, if you're the only Boros drafter at the table. We will have to see. Yeah, we certainly will. We've got some rare encounters here. So in our crash course, we never talk about rares. We only look at the commons and uncommons because that's, that's the beef of what we'll be dealing with in limited. But as we get to play with some rares, if stuff surprises us, uh, we want to make sure we Shout it out to you fine folks out there. And the first of those is Thief of Sanity. Have you had a chance to play with or against this card?
0: I have not had a chance to play with or against it yet, but I have seen some posts on Twitter complaining about how busted it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks kind of innocuous. You're like, oh, most things kill it, like Deadweight or Direct Current. This is one blue-black for a 2-2 with flying. It's sort of like a Spectre slash Gonti variant. When it connects with your opponent, you look at the top three cards of the library and you exile one of them. And then for the rest of the game, you can play that card as if it were in your hand and you can pay mana of any color to cast that card. Just pretty busted. You know, if we think about Nightfell vale Spectre, like once Nightville Spectre died, you couldn't play those cards. This card, you really need to deal with it immediately. The fact that you basically get to like impulse or I guess anticipate your opponent's library and just draw a card is really busted. So just connecting once does a lot. And then if you do it two or more times, I feel like you just run away with the game.
0: One that I've run into that I did not understand initially was uh, actually I had it in my first sealed pool was Underrealm Lich. That's three black green for the mythic four, three. And it says, if you would draw a card instead, look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And it also has pay for life to give it indestructible until end of turn and tap it. So initially I was thinking, "Ah, I don't know about this card. It seems like it's going to churn through your deck pretty quickly and you're going to be in danger of decking. And somebody else was posting about this in the discord, so I'm sure there are other people listening to the podcast out there that think this as well. You cannot deck yourself while under realm, which is alive. Because it's a replacement thing, it says if you would draw a card instead, you look at the top three and put one in your hand. So you're not actually drawing a card ever. So the replacement effect happens and you can't deck yourself. But if this dies after you've already turned through your library, then you're going to be in danger of decking yourself. But other than that, it was very powerful. I wish it were a slightly better blocker. Like it was very good when I was stable or ahead. When you're behind, like paying for life to keep
1: it alive as a blocker was often too steep of a cost to pay. That's really interesting. Yeah, for four, five is pretty understated, especially when black has access to that five mana four, five. But yeah, that card looks super powerful to me and of course is very reminiscent. Of uh, Lich's Mastery. Just feels like another, like, you can't deck, which is, I feel like nine times out of 10 when I'm playing a game on stream, I'm like, I gotta worry about decking here. <laughs> uh, another card that I watched uh, during the arena event, actually, on another stream, uh, I saw this card Resurgence, which is part of a split card Response, Resurgence. So Response is pretty good. It's a hybrid Boros, Boros, instant, deal five damage to target, attacking, or blocking creature. Totally fine removal spell. Resurgence, however, is absurd it just like turns any game that's like maybe marginally unwinnable to just like a powerhouse win this is three red white for sorcery creatures you control gain first strike and vigilance until end of turn after this main phase there is an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase this card triggers mentor twice that's the thing that i didn't get when i read it like obviously we've seen effects like this before it's very powerful but when you have this combined with a mechanic that cares about instances of attacking, it's really busted. The last card on this list we want to talk about is Chamber Sentry. This is X for a 0-0 zero zero artifact creature construct. It enters the battlefield with a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it for each color of mana spent to cast it. You can pay X, tap it to remove X plus 1 plus 1 counters from it to deal da- X damage to any target. And you can pay Wooberg to return it from your graveyard to your hand. Now, I don't know how often this is going to come up, that, like, last ability is going to come up in draft, probably not very often, but I've had this in sealed pools twice, and I have returned it from my graveyard in both of those decks. Dang. I think this card is really, really good in sealed and certainly helps out or has felt, for me, like a really helpful tool to, like, push me into that four to five color range because not only is it, like, good on curve at any point when you need it, like, you can play it in most decks for this format, I imagine in Sealed, you'd be able to play it as a 2-mana two 2-2, two, two, a 3-mana three 3-3, three, three, and then you can, like, pick off multiple things over multiple turns. You know, it's like a very, very slow walking Ballista. But then if you can really, like, return it, this can become a, a very strong engine for your deck, especially if you don't end up with a lot of those surveil triggers as we were talking about being so necessary for grinding out games.
0: Yeah, that card seems very strong. Speaking of strong cards, we got to check in on our overperformers. We got a long list of cards here that have overperformed. Starting with Night Veil Sprite, you pegged this in your top blue uncommons. It is now in my top blue uncommons. One and a blue for a one, two flyer. And when it attacks, you surveil one. It's just absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, this has felt, I mean, it feels like a looter, except for the fact that the surveil triggers on attack. Well, and that so many cards care
0: about instances of surveilling. There's not a lot of cards that care about instances of looting. So it's like a looter that's like double good
1: i don't need all that excess stuff i don't need stuff to care care about surveil this card is just really really strong on its own
0: oh no i agree but when you combine it with those other cards it just gets out of hand rapidly
1: yeah for sure do you have this at number one blue uncommon now
0: oh yeah i think so me too next up we've got portcullis vine single green for the o3 that has two tap Sacrifice, draw a card. This is not a great card. And again, we should clarify this is overperformers, just cards that are better than we thought they were. Not necessarily that all the cards on this list are busted. And I don't think Portcullis Vine is busted, but it has been performing better than I thought. It, just a one drop that can block early, that convokes, or that can put itself in the graveyard for your undergrowth stuff has just done more than I thought it would. I've not been embarrassed to play Portcullis Vine.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's probably more fine for sealed than it is for draft. So I'd be be wary to call this an overperformer for draft. Next up, we've got a card that, (laughs) so the way that Ben and I build the show notes is like, you know, we'll like start the Google Doc and then like I'll add stuff, he'll add stuff. And it isn't really until like the day of recording that we sort of start to like come together and say, all right, well, how are we going to order this thing and whatever? And (laughs) so sometimes we'll leave little notes for each other. And I put this card (laughs) down here and Ben just wrote, nope, not for me. (laughs) So I think this has been an overperformer. Righteous Blow, this is single white for the instant uh, deal 2 damage to target attacking or blocking creature. I had initially left this out of my top 3 white commons, and I think it might be in there now, just because I'm not sure what else would take its place. But this, I thought, would be not great, but I think it's a lot better than I thought it would be. A lot of the creatures are very small, and the fact that this is such cheap interaction, and a lot of the mentor creatures that are incentivized to attack that you want to be able to get out, like the 5-2 the for 4 mana, the 4-2 with haste for 5 mana, the 2 two first first striker for 2 mana, all those things you really want to get rid of, and all those cards are incentivized to engage in combat. So I feel like the Righteous Blow has a place, and that place is, I think, higher in my pick order.
0: Fair enough. The jury's out on that one for me. Next up, we've got another nod to your top blue uncommons. You nailed them. Chemist's Insight, three and a blue for the instant. Draw two cards and then has Jumpstart as well. Uh, that card is just a house. It's a fantastic card advantage engine. You feel like kind of bad the first time they do it. And then you're like, "Ugh, that's in their graveyard. And then when they actually jumpstart it, you're just like, oh, how am I ever winning this game? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, card is busted. I've got Parhelion Patrol here, which is sort of weird to put on overperformers because it made both of our top three white commons. This is three and a white for the two, three with flying, vigilance, and mentor, which is a lot of keywords to have on a common. And this is now up to number two for me right behind Luminous Bonds. I think this card is really strong.
0: Next up, I've got Gateway Plaza on my list. That's the gate that comes in and you have to pay one when it enters the battlefield. It enters the battlefield tapped. And you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. It's just a fantastic option in sealed and really helps enable those four and five
1: color decks. Yeah, thank God this exists at common and not uncommon. I think that's a big difference as well. Generous Stray is up next. I think this also probably exists in my top three green commons now. This is uh, two and a green for the one two cat enters the battlefield. You draw a card. At least in sealed, this has just felt like pretty good to have a little speed bump. It draws you a card. You can convoke out. You can chump and get some fuel for undergrowth. I mean, that's sort of all that we thought it was going to do, but that just has felt pretty good to be able to do.
0: I agree. I I would have put that on here had you not put it on here. Next up, I've got the guild gates. They've just been outstanding in sealed. They've been determining a lot of the direction of my sealed pools, and I'm very curious to see how highly... You're supposed to pick them in draft just for our pack one, pick one. We've got a round table coming up that we like to do. Mm -hmm. Spoiler, there's a guild gate and I think it's in contention.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I'm really excited. I mean, when we did our crash course, we sort of referenced Hour of Devastation figuring out like, well, we're the deserts towards the end of that format felt like some of the best commons i'll be interested to see how the guild gates shake out in terms of their comparison to some of the commons in the format i've got hitchclaw recluse up next this is two and a green for the one four with reach we talked about this a little bit before kind of wish it was giant spider really wish it was mammoth spider but i will say that it's felt better i thought it was going to be too small but the four toughness has really mattered in terms of being not able to trade off with things though you know there's a couple x1 flyers floating around but just being able to like bounce off of some flyers to like stop you from just dying to watch her in the mist over multiple turns I think makes it better than I thought it was going to be. Speaking of
0: X1s, Mephitic Vapors, two and a black for the sorcery, all creatures get minus one minus one until end of turn and then you surveil one. I think there are enough one toughness things floating around that are playable that Mephitic Vapors is main deckable and I don't think it's an embarrassing main deck card.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think it probably can do, if it's not just like picking off X1's period, it can probably do enough in terms of like maybe pre-combat, but certainly maybe post-combat to like finally pick off some creatures and surveil too, is nothing to sneeze at. Well, not pre-combat because it's all creatures, so it would have to be post-combat. Well, you know, but maybe you do a pre-combat and then they don't want to block. No, I guess that doesn't, that makes no sense. Never mind. (laughs) I just keep thinking it's Plague Mare and it's not Plague (laughs) Mare. not Blackmare. Passwall Adept is up next. This is one in a blue for a 1-3, just the most perfect stats in the world, and it has a repeatable activated ability of 2 in a blue to make target creature unblockable until end of turn. Certainly for Sealed, this just feels like an auto include if you're in blue, just because it's such a low impact in your deck. Like, it's a 2-drop that's good, and then it's just good on turn 2, good on turn 10, that sort of thing.
0: A lot of my losses so far have come to my opponents drawing Passwall Adept, and it is a pretty frustrating card to play
1: against. Well, especially in Sealed, when like maybe your deck has like four removal spells or whatever, five removal spells if you're lucky. You don't want to use those on that and like- Well, and Luminous Bonds and Capture Sphere don't do it. Yes. Oh my God. I didn't even think the Capture Sphere like, doesn't do it.
0: And then it feels so bad when that's the thing that's killing you and you Luminous Bonds, they're three, three, and then they draw another three, three, and you're still in the same boat of dying to Passball depth, but you can't do anything about
1: it. Sure. And then you're just like, exclamation mark, why me? Yep.
0: That's exactly the order of things that happened. <laughs> Next up, we've got Douser of Light. This is a big boy, uh, four and a black for the four, five vanilla. It's just large and in charge and has been
1: very relevant and sealed. Agreed. Uh, You added this one here, but I'm happy to talk about it. Deadweight, single black, enchantment, minus two, minus two. I had this as my top black comment. Are you there now? I'm
0: there now. I'm with you. It's so efficient.
1: It's so efficient. And it just... I think, yeah, it just kills so many things. Shrinks things is also totally fine. It's a really, really strong card. Someone, some very smart magic player who I do a podcast with told me that double spelling is very good and limited and Deadweight really lets you do that a lot of the time.
0: Sounds like a great guy. Next up, we've got Veiled Shade. This is two and a black for the two that has the ability one and a black, give it plus one plus one until end of turn. I was initially poo-pooing on this guy and like disdained to put it in my builds until my opponent played against me. And it's just a very good, you know, it can attack early it's got threat of activation. And later in the game, it's a place to put mana. And when it's a five, five, six, six, seven, seven, that's
1: really, really huge in this format. So I think that card is fine better than I thought it was. Yeah. Again, I think probably much stronger in sealed than draft. What do you think about that? That would be my guess as well. Yeah. Artful takedown is next. And, and, you know, as we talked about before, this is a list of overperformers. So not only are these cards that maybe we thought were bad and are slightly better, these are can also be cards that we thought were great and are even better than that. This card is ridiculous. Two blue, black for an instant. Choose one or both. Tap target creature and or give target creature minus two, minus four until end of turn. Like, why does Demir need this?
0: It's so good. It's basically instant speed, essentially doom blade for four mana, gain three life. On average, like it kills most things. Aurelia, like the the Boros mythic it doesn't kill and some other random like large things. Mm-hmm. But it kills like 85% of the format, I'd say, like just hazarding a guess. And then the gaining life when you tap down their creature is just so strong. This card is really good. Next up, I've got Thoughtbound Phantasm, single blue for the 2-2. And when you Surveil, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It's also got Defender. And if you accumulate three or more plus one, plus one counters, by the way, the new counters on MTGO look hot.
1: Yeah, I was there's so much hate for them when I was streaming the other day. I really like them.
0: They're so much clearer and it's so much easier to tell what's going on. I'm a big fan also. So when you accumulate three of those beautiful looking counters, <laughs> your Thoughtbound Phantasm loses Defender and can attack. Really good card. It's cheap and it's impactful in seal it's early defense and then turns into a threat in the late game if you're fortunate enough to
1: have opened a surveil pool which several of my opponents have been yeah uh speaking of a surveil pool how do you feel about disinformation campaign this card looked like maybe it was too slow to me but it's been very oppressive this is one blue black for the enchantment when it etbs you draw a card your opponent discards a card and then whenever you surveil you return disinformation campaign to its owner's hand
0: yeah i stand by my ranking for draft i do think there's going to be a limit to the number of times you can cast this in draft it's been a house in sealed I w- it would be a pull
1: into Demir or a pull into splashing it if i had
0: a, even a modest amount of surveilling
1: because even doing it once feels fine and sealed just because so much uh, unless you're against an aggro deck, but so much has just felt like a grind fest. And this is a great grind fest. You lose a resource, I gain a resource. Sounds good to me.
0: Next up, I've got Sonic Assault. I have not played with or against this yet, but I've seen lots of people in Twitch chat talking about it. I've seen pros talking about it on Twitter. MJ said he thought it was strong. Darkest Mage on Twitch. Enough people have been talking about Sonic Assault that I'm taking notice and I'm moving this up and I'm taking a closer look at it and trying to see what makes it tick and what makes it the buzz of MTG conversation right now.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with the buzz happening that I initially thought this card was like too all in aggro, like maybe I want one in an aggro deck, but probably not more. It packs a lot of damage, like if you cast it twice, that's four damage, plus the incidental damage you're also getting theoretically from tapping a creature and then enabling more attacks.
0: Right, once I looked at it in that light, I sort of thought of it as like a super lava axe, which is probably a pretty good card. Yeah, I think so too.
1: Next up, we've got Direct Current as another overperformer. This is one red red for the sorcery to deal two to any target with jumpstart. Yeah, this just does a lot. Like Yeah, three mana sorcery speed for a shock feels bad but it kills a lot of stuff in this format as we said in the crash course over half of the common and uncommon creatures have toughness two or less so it's going to kill over half of the creatures that exist and being able to go to the face is really relevant well and being able to do it
0: twice is really relevant paying three to deal two feels a lot less worse when you know you get to do it twice for one card mm-hmm. or essentially a, I i mean an extra land later in the game or something next up we've got ledev champion one green white for the two two. when it attacks you may tap any number of untapped creatures you control it gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each creature tapped this way and you can pay three green white as many times as you want to make a one one soldier creature token with lifelink uh this card is busted in half it's very very strong in the green white convoke deck it's often attacking as a three three for three which is very large in the format because your opponent plays their four drop and they can tap their four drop to pump it on attacks and then it's just a late game mana sink to put mana card does it all
1: i was really high on this card in the set review and i think i just like my very negative feelings towards Celesnia have me a little down on this card now yeah it's great when you're attack you're you're describing the situation where it's so good but they also could just deadweight it or you have no good attacks or you can't afford to pay five mana for a one one and then attack with a th- three three or four four like tapping your creatures is such a cost that's my whole problem with this deck is it's like don't worry if you just invest all of your mana and all of your creatures into not attacking and casting this one card or pumping this one card it's just like it's not worth it
0: yeah i could see that next up on the list we've got glaive of the guild pack this is two mana for the equipment that has equip cost of three an equipped creature gets plus X plus O equal to the number of gates you control, as well as Vigilance and Menace. That card initially I thought was gonna be a little clunky and not quite worth it. What I missed, I think, was that the vigilance makes like mediocre creatures into relevant threats, as well as like makes them way better blockers too. It's really hard to attack into your opponent's five-two bear because they have three gates out. I think this card is good in sealed, even in a controlling deck.
1: All right, I, I can I can definitely see that.
0: And wrapping up, we've got Necrotic Wound, single black for the instant. With undergrowth, target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Speaking of double spelling, as we mentioned earlier, this card is a fantastic way to double spell later in the game. And, you know, you really only have to get it to minus two, minus two with two creatures in your graveyard before it's a reasonable removal spell. And anything past that is just absolute gravy.
1: Have you ever, like, drawn this card and been like, man, I can't do the thing that I want to do with this.
0: I have never been in that situation. I mean, not always have I been able to cast at the turn I wanted to cast it, but usually I could work it to where I could make some combat happen. And then once it was
1: on, it was very, very good. Yeah, I, I have not played with the card yet, but I did. I think I watched a streamer have it in a deck and it was kind of awkward. But yeah, the jury's still out for me on this. I'm wondering just the viability of how good this card is. But maybe it's better in Demir than Golgari. The, the, the point you make about it only having to get to minus two, minus two is a, a point that appeals to me greatly.
0: Well, and the, what I think it compares most easily to in recent sets was M19. There was the card where you could do minus X, minus X compared to the number of life you've gained in a turn. It's so much easier to make good than that. Like it's oh, okay. so much better than that.
1: I, I liked that card. A lot. It's a lot better than that. Great i'm sold then moving on to the underperformers this first card on this list just i wanted this card to be so good and i don't think it is this is arboretum elemental seven green green for the seven five hex proof with convoke this is very expensive in my head i was like well you know like you know you can convoke out for six mana then it's like a better cold water snapper but there's not a lot of times where you have three creatures on the battlefield and you don't want to attack with them or Putting a 7-5 as your only blocker, like five toughness isn't that much in this format it's still big but like there's a lot of combat tricks around too i don't know i've just been stuck with this card in my hand a lot and maybe this will change in draft versus sealed where i don't feel like there's a lot of creatures floating around but I- i'm down on this card i don't think this is the the hex proof beast demon that we need to be afraid of
0: well i think it is but i don't think the supporting cast is quite there so the the comparison that comes to mind for me is the six seven croc from like the hou oh, format. yeah but that had all the cartouches and lifelink cartouche floating around in it as well like there's none of that nonsense going on here right so it really is just i think a seven five hex proof which is like solid but it is expensive as you mentioned and you can double block it and it i don't think it's quite the menace that we all thought it was going to be next up we've got guild summit this is two and a blue for the build around enchantment that lets you tap number of gates when you cast it to draw that many cards and when you play a gate you draw a card i think this just is not quite going to get there. I'm hoping I'm still holding out hope, but it's definitely I'm picking chemistry's insight over this, the three and a blue draw two cards at instant speed 10 out of 10 times now.
1: Yeah, I just wonder, like, so you're guaranteed at least six gates in sealed when you open this card, maybe more. And I haven't seen it played yet. And I haven't wanted to play it yet. How many gates do you think you can get in draft? Probably not that many was my guess. Yeah. So then I just I wonder if this card is ever gonna see play other than just like, meme drafting around it or something right right yeah i can certainly see it plague crafter is next on this list this is two a black for a three two when it etbs uh each player sacrifices a creature if they or planeswalker yeah and relevant text for limited and if they can't that player discards a card instead this just doesn't quite do it like you have to have something played before it to be able to sacrifice something else that isn't this but then like I don't know, do you really want a 3-2 body floating around? The 3-2 body for three is not very exciting. And there are some token makers. I I just, this card, I get what it's trying to do in terms of like fueling undergrowth, but I don't think it's what you want to do.
0: Yep, it was awkward for me as well. Next up, we've got Erstwhile Trooper. Speaking of awkward Golgari cards, that's the one black green for the 2-2, and you can discard a card to give it plus two, plus two, and Menace maybe? Uh, Trample.
1: Trample. It
0: just is not a good card.
1: It's not, right? Like, I've had people play it against me, and I'd, like, fist pump when they want to just, like, pitch creatures to trade off with a creature. It's like, and now you're just left with, you're turning your creatures into pump spells for free, which is, you know, something, but then you're just left with a 2-2. Yeah, I was way too high on this card. Your argument sounded good to me. I, I, I hopped aboard readily but I've, I've backtracked quite a bit speaking of backtracking i had hired poisoner much higher than i should have this is single black for the one one with death touch yeah x ones are not great in this format and creatures are mostly small so you don't feel like you're like yeah i'm holding off there five five with my one drop it's not really happening
0: nope next uh, another awkward card centaur peacemaker this is one green white for the three three i'm gonna etbs both players gain four life I love the idea of this card. It's not a Selesnia card, though, because it's so awkward, like playing it out on curve. If you have a random aggressive draw, like it just you can't play it. And then your draws all of a sudden not aggressive because you can't play your three drop. I think this is secretly, at least in sealed, like a five color deck card where you can like you really want to gain for life when you're playing five color control.
1: Yeah, I cannot tell you. I've had multiple times this weekend where I literally wanted to draw anything like I got my opponent to three life. I'm just trying to keep curving out on them. And if <laughs> and I draw a centaur peacemaker and I'm like, wait, what? I, I literally cannot cast this card because if I do, I will have no way of closing out the game. It's awful.
0: Yep. That wraps up our list of overperformers and underperformers, uh, and takes us to our next segment, which is I had a chance to talk to Dustin Stern today while I was streaming in Twitch chat um, and he and a bunch of other people run uh, draft camp in Madison. So they were holed up drafting Guilds of Ravnica already all weekend, and he had some hot takes for us. And I want to share those with you guys, because I think this is how I'm planning to start to approach the format. So the first thing, and keep in mind, if you don't know Dustin, he has a tendency to be maybe slightly on the hyperbolic side, but these were typed into Twitch chat here. Golgari can never win. Golgari's combined record was something like 10 and 34, and most of the wins were versus the mirror. And he said even he and someone else, another pro, drafted pretty busted looking Golgari decks and still lost like still went 1-2 like most of the Golgari decks struggled to 2-1 next thing was that red white and blue x anything paired with blue seemed to be far and away the best archetypes and like almost everyone was actively steering towards those by the end of the draft camp green unplayable Ooh. and here's the reasoning Boros is super fast and everything else is very grindy and green's issue is that it can't come out fast enough and it can't grind, so it just loses. Like, it's stuck in the middle of everything else that everything's doing better than it.
1: That was my feeling even before I read this. That was a lot of the things that we had already put into the show notes for this week. I just felt like, certainly Selesnya, I feel less confident about Golgari because I just haven't played with it enough, but Selesnya just feels caught between two different kinds of decks, and its commons are just too weak greens commons are just way too weak compared to the rest of the format
0: yeah they're really bad and he said some of that was just design stuff like if the one two cat for three if that was a one one for two and other just some other cards even if you change the casting cost green would be a lot better but as was it was just like a little too clunky and didn't quite do enough to either be fast enough to compete with boros or to be good enough in the late game to compete with some of the Demir or is it decks
1: yeah like think about sumala worshiper the like two green white two one enters the battlefield you look at the top four you can choose a creature enchantment from among them, like, would that be so bad if it was a three mana two one that did that? No, that would seem totally fine to me. But four mana is just so much.
0: And so drawing some conclusions from that if Dustin's right about those things, and I think Dustin's like insanely good at limited, and I value his opinion super highly, he's got an 80% win rate for sealed in this format. Yeah. So here's my plan based on this information to start the format. This is what I'm planning to do. And I already sort of had some of this in my head. But after seeing Dustin having drafted all weekend and come to some of the same conclusions that I had stirring around just from you know talking with you and the crash course and things. The first thing I'm planning to do is to try to steer away from green at the start of the format, if possible, like to bias myself away from picking green cards. I want to try to steer into blue and red at the start of the format because those lead into the combination of the three strongest guilds, according to you and I, which are Demir and it. so blue can go into either one of those and red goes into either is it or Boros. So setting yourself up in blue or red to start gives you the most flexibility to get into the best guilds. And if green is as bad as people think, which is bad, like Dustin thinks it's not great after drafting with it all weekend, you and I already were not thinking it was good. The Lords of Limited Discord has been talking about the fact that it's not good. That means that neither Golgari nor Selesnia is going to be great. And I think black also suffers a bit because then the only good guild, quote unquote, that it can go into is Demir. if you're trying to stay away from Golgari. So I think both green and black you know, or places to maybe steer away from. And similarly, white also maybe suffers a little bit because if we're trying to steer away from Selesnya, then you're really only hoping to get into Boros. So I really am hoping to be able to start my draft off with blue or red cards to leave myself the most flexibility to get into the
1: good guilds. Yeah, that's that kinds of Tarkir mentality, like figuring out which single colors leave you the most open for like the good kinds of guilds or three color decks and i think you're absolutely correct here's my question for you do you think there's like room for good off guild decks like is there a blue white skies deck we could be drafting
0: that was what I, that was what i wanted to ask dustin that i didn't get a chance to because he said blue x and i didn't get a chance to ask him about azorius or whatchamacallit whatchamacallit not
1: Demir. blue green what's that one called simic Simic. There we go. Come on. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't obviously based on what we're talking about. I'm not looking to draft blue green because I think green is awful. But blue white, there does seem to be like, I really want to mentor onto that Muse Drake, that one three flyer (laughs) that draws you a card.
0: Ooh, yeah. But
1: I don't know if that really is going to happen or not.
0: Right, right. So to wrap things up here, we've got a pack one pick one for you from Guilds of Ravnica to get the juices flowing for, you know, by the time you're listening to this, Guilds of Ravnica will have dropped on Magic Online so you will probably be drafting to your heart's content already hopefully unless you have a job like me in which case you will be watching ethan jealously draft during your lunch break
1: as much as he wants i've already given away my bartending shift on tuesday so that i can draft
0: <laughs> attaboy <laughs> yeah at a boy. So you sit down for your first pack of Guilds of Ramnica here. Cards in contention. I think Demir Guildgate, the blue black Guildgate. Sonic Assault, one blue red for the instant. Tap target creature and it deals two damage to that creature's controller with jump start. Intrusive pack beast, four and a white for the three three vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, tap up to two target creatures your opponents control. Direct current, one red red for the sorcery, deals two damage to any target and has jump start. Discovery slash dispersal, one, and blue black hybrid mana for surveil two, then draw a card. And Dispersal is three blue-black at instant speed. So many of these split cards are sorcery on one side, instant on the other. It's hard to keep track of. Uh, Dispersal is each opponent returns a non-land permanent they control with the highest converted mana cost among permanents they control to their owner's hand and then discards a card. And Crawl Harpooner, one green for the 3-2 reach with Undergrowth. When it ETBs, you choose one target creature with flying you don't control. This gets plus X plus O equals the number of creature cards in your graveyards, and then you may have it fight the creature with flying that you targeted. And your rare Fireminds Research, blue-red for the enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a charge counter on it. Compare one and a blue, remove two charge counters to draw a card one or a red, remove five charge counters to deal five to any target.
1: So I still think Firemind's research is bad. I've seen it in play. I think it's way too slow. I think it's win more. Like if you're doing the thing and not being punished for it, like you could have done literally anything else and still been winning the game. So that leads me to, I think, think about three cards here. The Demir Guildgate is very high on my list here as well as Crawl Harpooner and Discovery. I like the Harpooner quite a bit, but I think based on our conversation just now and hearing Dustin's feedback from his draft camp weekend, I think I'm going to steer away from what I think might be like quote unquote the most powerful card in the pack and go towards something a bit more consistent. And I've been super impressed by Discovery. So I think I would take discovery dispersal but really only with the idea of of casting discovery
0: yeah i'm between three cards uh discovery the guild gate and direct current and i also landed on discovery for myself even before we talked i went several picks deep into this
1: oh nice yeah yeah uh those are all really strong cards like i think i could see first picking direct current discovery may end up being too slow it's just been so powerful like surveil two then draw a card so cheap I- i've never actually wanted to cast Dispersal. That card seems quite bad to me.
0: Yep, that'll do it. Thank you so much for everybody's tuning in for the first time from Star City Games. We hope you come back. Thank you as always to
1: Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. Make sure you tune to our 15-hour stream. It's coming up October 16th from 9 a.m. to midnight Eastern. This is the result of our treasure hunt. We always do a sort of like achievement list for each format. We'll get that to you for Guilds of Ravnica in just the coming weeks. If you have ideas for that, be sure to shoot them our way. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. I am at Lord Tupperware. Ben is at Mr. Metronome. You can find us on Twitch at those same handles, and you can also tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any questions, questions please shoot us an email at lords at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later I mean, you're just looking up the card.
0: You have no idea I, what I this swear, is. I No, I have not. Well, I, that's what I'm going to tell you, that I haven't played <laughs> with her against it. So it doesn't matter if I know what the card does. <laughs> and I do not. It's something to do with getting to play your opponent's cards if it connects with them, right?